Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody, and what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Episode 50. How crazy is that? Could you imagine if I actually made 50 episodes and, you know, no one was really listening? Oh, God, I really hope you guys are still listening at this point. Anyways, I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And, folks, just like always, I've got a great show for you today. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. The Giants take two games out of three against the Padres, they sweep the Rangers in a two-game series, and they won last night's game against the Pirates, which means they have won five of their last six games, they are nine games above 500, and they are still at the top of the NOS standings. My God, what a time it is to be a Giants fan. It honestly gives me chills just thinking about it. Because you know what? This Giants team might actually be good. No, I'm not just saying this is a hot streak, everyone. I'm not just saying they're lucky. What I'm saying is that this Giants team might actually be good. But of course, I know this. You know this. The Giants know this. It's about time the rest of the world knew this. And folks, along with updating you not only on injuries, but also on individual player performances, I'm also going to be updating you on some stats and compare them to last year's team. And then I'll be previewing the final three games of this four-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, here we go. Injury news. Alex Dickerson goes on the 10-day DL with a bone bruise in his right shoulder. Honestly, this kind of gives me some closure as to why Dickerson has been struggling lately. The numbers are good. The way he's making contact with the baseball is great. But, I, we, you know, we just haven't seen the results as of yet this season. This might give us some clarity as to why that is. Moving on to Aaron Sanchez. Apparently, he's dealing with right bicep tightness. You know, at first, that doesn't really seem like the most dramatic injury. But I guess for the Giants, at least, this is a precautionary move. They just don't want this to end up being something worse. So he ends up on the IL as well. And... As for Donovan Solano, Mark Sanchez, who's the Giants beat writer for KMBR and who is also a friend of the podcast, wrote some optimistic words about the Giants' best hitter. In a recent article he wrote, Sanchez states, quote, Donovan Solano could get some rehab starts while the Giants swing out to Pittsburgh and then Cincinnati beginning Thursday. Sanchez also goes on to say, he took ground balls at second base before the Giants played the Rangers at Oracle Park on Tuesday, and Kapler said he ran on the field Monday without any issues. So, as of right now, I don't know how all of that sounds to you, but at least to me, that sounds like Solano is getting close to coming back, which is absolutely amazing. He's been on the IL since April 21st, and it's mind-blowing to think that somehow the Giants are still nine games above 500, even without him. 
Moving on to some other players, Jose Alvarez, the lefty reliever, has landed on the DL with an ankle sprain. And as a result of moving him, the Giants have recalled Lamont Wade Jr. as we all saw last night. Moving on to the Brandons, our favorite two Brandons. Belt is currently dealing with left side tightness, which in all honesty, I really have no idea what that truly means. But it's been bothering him to a point where he's been out for a few days now. As for Brandon Crawford, the reason why he wasn't in yesterday's lineup is because he was dealing with side effects from the COVID vaccine. Luckily for the Giants, the Jose Alvarez injury isn't too detrimental just because of how deep they are with their left-handed bullpen arms, and it seems like Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford aren't dealing with anything that's too serious, so that's great news. Moving on to individual player performances that I think you guys should all be aware of, starting with Brandon Belt again. He's hit four home runs in the month of May. And over his past four games, including games two and three of the Padres series, Brandon Belt has produced a 364 batting average while also hitting two home runs and has walked three times. At this point in the season, Belt is now sporting a 232 batting average, which is, you know, tough number to look at with no context. But the good news is that his batting average has slowly been rising more and more each game, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Moving on to everyone's favorite player and everyone's favorite mustache, Mike Yastrzemski. Over his past four games, Yaz has produced a 385 batting average, and something else that's cool is during those past four games, he's managed to collect an extra base hit in all of them, three doubles and a triple in yesterday's game. The extra base hits are still coming from Yaz, but the overall consistency is not quite where we all would like it to be. However, the reason why I'm not stressing about his slow start to the season is mainly due to the fact that he's swinging at more pitches in the strike zone this year as compared to last year. Crazy, I know. And if there is anything we know about the game of baseball, it's that you can't be doing all the right things and not seeing results for a long period of time. I hope that last sentence made sense. If Yaz is swinging at more pitches in the strike zone this year comparative to last year, then the results will surely come. So far, the biggest difference from the 2020 season that I've seen this year is that Yaz is seeing fewer first pitch strikes, which most likely means opposing pitchers must be taking him more seriously as a hitter now. But I, of course, have no doubt he will be able to make adjustments and find success this season, especially since he's healthy now. And not to mention, even though Yaz is in a bit of a slump, he's still on pace to hit 54 doubles and 24 home runs. And due to how well he's been hitting lately, I have a feeling his season is about to turn around. All right, here we go. Moving on to some pitchers, starting with Logan Webb. As we all know, Logan Webb has been spotty all season, but Tuesday was one of those days he was dialed in. Webb pitched six innings against the Texas Rangers, and during those six innings, he only surrendered one earned run while striking out a career-high 10 batters. At one point during the game, he struck out five batters consecutively, and it seemed as though Webb tried something I had never seen him do before, and that was changing the pace. During this start, you could see that Webb pitched with more urgency, or at least a quicker tempo, and I think that played a huge part in keeping the hitters off-balanced on Tuesday. So again... What the heck do we do with this type of outing? And again, you know, I'm sorry to say it, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing this, but we just have to wait and see if this could be consistent. The good news is that Logan Webb is only 24 years old, so he has plenty of time to develop, but I'm sure I can speak for all Giants fans when I say, gosh, would it kill you to just be a little more consistent? 
The final thing I'll say about Logan Webb is that even though he's showcasing a 4.74 ERA on the year, his expected ERA is sitting around 3.44. So maybe he's pitching better than people realize. And maybe, just maybe, we'll start to see him put everything together here pretty soon. Moving on to the ace of the staff, Kevin Gosman. The reason why I bring up Gosman is that for a third time this year, he was able to keep the San Diego Padre hitters off balance and held them to only one run. For whatever reason, the Padres haven't been able to figure out Gosman, as we can see when we break down his three starts against them this season. Looking at the combined numbers, Gosman has pitched a total of 19 innings against the Padres this year. He's walked away with a 2-0 record, a 1.42 ERA, a 0.89 whip, has only walked three total batters, and struck out 18. Last year, it seemed as though Drew Smiley was the only pitcher who could keep these Padre hitters silent, but this year, Gosman is proving everyone wrong. Moving on to relievers. You know, this might actually be some good news here. Matt Whistler. Game three against the Padres, Whistler pitched two innings and did not give up a single walk, hit, or run, and also managed to strike out two batters, which included Tatis and Trent Grisham. If Whistler can finally start to get on track here and become the pitcher he was last year, then this greatly improves the Giants' bullpen overnight, as would Jarlin Garcia getting back on track. And the reason why I bring him up is because following Whistler's solid two innings during Game 3 against the Padres, Garcia had two solid innings of his own. Garcia threw a total of 28 pitches, and 20 of them were called strikes. But the coolest part was that he threw 13 strikes in a row. This was Garcia's first appearance since landing on the DL, and he finished his outing going two innings, only giving up one hit, walked two, but one of those walks was intentional, and he struck out three batters. In my opinion, I think it's actually pronounced Harleen. Harleen Garcia looked extremely confident, and the velocity on his fastball was sitting around 94 to 95 miles per hour. I will be keeping a close eye on both Whistler and Garcia to see if this recent success they have both found will be something that sustains itself throughout the rest of the season. Moving on to everyone's favorite pitcher, Alex Wood. Now, just like Kevin Gosman, there isn't too much to say about Alex Wood because of how well he's pitched all year. He's now sporting a 1.80 ERA and a record of 4-0. During his most recent outing, however, against the Rangers... Wood pitched seven innings, only gave up one earned run, and struck out seven batters. And that's just been the theme all year for Wood. It's no secret that Alex Wood has been one of the difference makers of this team, and I'm fully convinced this is the Alex Wood we are going to see all season if he can stay healthy for the majority of the time. All we have to do as fans is sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The final two players I'm going to mention have been some key role players as of late, and that's Mauricio Dubon and Steven Duggar. During last week's episode, I mentioned that not only was Dubon heating up, but we could also be expecting some more production coming from his bat. And as it turns out, Dubon agreed with what I had to say. Over his last seven at-bats, Dubon has collected five hits, which equals a 714 batting average. And Steven Duggar has found a bit of success himself, as we saw yesterday when he went 2-3 for three with a home run in Game 1 of the Pittsburgh game. With all the injuries that have piled up lately, it's nice to see that there are bench players who can perform and come up with big hits when necessary. Alright, let's move on to some key stats that I think everyone should know as Giants fans. As of right now, the Giants are currently leading the entire league in fielding percentage and have made the least amount of errors on the season. That's crazy. 
Let me say that again. The Giants have made the least amount of errors on the season. Now, I say this part jokingly, but Donovan Solano has been on the DL for a while now, and he led the National League in errors last season. So maybe this could be something to reassess once he comes back and is playing every day. But as of right now, this is definitely something to be proud of and definitely something to be excited about. Also, something else to be excited about is that the Giants starting rotation has a combined ERA of 2.89, which is currently the second best in the entire league. And not to mention, the starting rotation also happens to be top 10 in strikeouts, whip, and opposing hitters batting average against them. Now, along with the starting pitching, the defense this year has been a major improvement from last year. And these two stats are definitely huge reasons as to why the Giants are sitting in first place in the National League West. All right, moving on to this Pittsburgh Pirates series. Last night, it was Anthony Descafani versus Will Crow for Game 1. Now, when it comes to Descafani, if you were saying to yourself, well, he's been kind of whatever lately, that's fair. But you also have to note that his last two starts both came against the Padres, which is tough for any pitcher. And as we all saw last night, this matchup against the Pirates was the perfect opportunity to get right back on track. Descafani finished his outing with five strong innings of shutout baseball while only surrendering two hits, one walk, and striking out five Pirates hitters. And luckily enough, the bullpen committee of Caleb Berger, Zach Littell, Camilo Doval, and Tyler Rogers were all able to hold things down in order to secure the win. As for tonight, Game 2 will feature a matchup between Kevin Gosman versus Tyler Anderson, a familiar name. This is the game I'm most excited to watch because, as for the Pirates, they don't have good numbers against Gosman, which is great because Gosman pitches well against teams that have great numbers against him. So this should be a cakewalk. The batter that Gosman does need to worry about, however, is Gregory Polanco, who's produced a career 385 batting average against him and has also hit a home run against him. I'm guessing Gosman won't have a ton of trouble with this Pittsburgh Pirates offense, but just in case, it would be nice to keep Polanco off balance throughout the entire game. What's interesting about Tyler Anderson is that he's had a pretty good season so far in a Pirates uniform. He's currently sporting a 3.05 ERA, and he is coming off a great start against the Cubs where he pitched eight innings, surrendering only two runs, and struck out six. The key for the Giants against Anderson is being patient. As we all know from last year, when Anderson was in the Giants uniform, he doesn't pitch with high velocity, but he does have nice off-speed pitches, and the little hitch in his windup tends to keep hitters off-balanced. For this game, a player I'm looking at is Buster Posey. Along with being the best hitter in the National League so far this season, Posey also has great numbers against Anderson. He's 3-for-11 with a triple, a home run, and zero strikeouts. So that's why I'm expecting a big game from Posey tonight. Moving on to Game 3, that'll feature a matchup between Johnny Cueto versus Mitch Keller. I think this game will be the perfect opportunity for Cueto to get back on track. During his first start from the DL against the Padres, he gave up five earned runs and three innings pitched. Definitely not good, but the good news is that the Pirates barely have any success against Cueto. Polanco has the most at-bats against him with 14, but he's only collected three hits against him, and neither of them were for extra bases. The key for Cueto during this game is to find a rhythm that he's comfortable with. This Pirates team is not good, which means this is the perfect time to practice executing your pitches. As for Mitch Keller for the Pirates, he was once regarded as one of the young promising arms in this system, but since he's been in the big leagues, the success has yet to come. 
He's kind of like the Pirates version of our Logan Webb. There are glimpses of what he's capable of at times, but for whatever reason, Keller hasn't been able to figure out how to produce consistently. For example, two starts ago, Mitch Keller pitched 5.2 innings of shutout baseball against the Padres while striking out five hitters, but then the next start, he went on to give up seven earned runs to the Reds in 3.1 innings. You can see how it can be a conflicting time if you're a Mitch Keller fan. He has a fastball that sits around 95 to 96 miles per hour, but he also contains a big-time curveball. I don't really know what to expect from the Giants hitters considering that only seven hitters have faced Keller and none of them have more than three at-bats against him. Mauricio Dubon is two for three against him with a double, and Kirk Casale and Brandon Belt also have managed to collect doubles against him. And the final game of this series will feature a matchup between everyone's favorite pitcher, Alex Wood, versus JT Brubaker. I'm fully confident at this point that Alex Wood is going to give opposing hitters a hard time at the plate no matter what jersey they are wearing. Only six Pirates hitters have faced Alex Wood and they have all produced a combined 236 batting average against him. But even though I'm sure Wood will give the Pirates a hard time, I'm afraid the opposing pitcher for the Pirates will not make things any easier for Giants hitters. JT Brubaker has produced a 2.58 ERA on the year and has struck out 41 batters and 38.1 innings pitched. Name any pitch and Brubaker has it in his arsenal. He's got a devastating slider. He's got a two-seamer with high velocity. A four-seamer that opposing hitters have only been able to produce a 174 batting average against. Oh, and he also has a curveball and a changeup, of course. The depth of his arsenal keeps the hitters off-balance all game, and I'm honestly dreading that the Giants hitters have to face him. Now, the toughest game of this four-game series, in my opinion, will most definitely be Game 4. I suspect there to be somewhat of a pitcher's duel between Alex Wood and JT Brubaker, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this Giants team can walk away with a sweep in Pittsburgh. At this point in time, I'm predicting three wins against this Pittsburgh Pirates team, but I also... As I just said, wouldn't be too surprised if they walk away with a sweep. All right, everyone, that is going to be all for today's episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Again, I'm your host, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And folks, in case you're curious, you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. Again, thank you so much for the support of the show. It truly means the world. And everyone, remember, stay safe out there. Be smart, and most importantly, go Giants.